Hey fam, before we get to the show, I just wanted to let you know, surprise, our winter merch drop is here. It's available now. We are talking DBU zippies, DBU sweatpants, Myrtle Beach baseball t-shirts, Silly Goose Fall long sleeve shirts, the F out of here mover shirts, and it doesn't say F out of here, it says the actual word. We love the merch so much, I'm wearing it right now. Also you guys, apparently according to the Facebook group, Steve invented the word zippy. Look at you cutie boo. He says normal people say zip up or zip up hoodie. I've been saying zippy all my life. Call me Massachusetts Cape Cod trash. You can find all the merch right now at disappearedpod.com. Click on the merch link. Go get your stuff, sis. You know you want those sweatpants. You know you want the F out of here movers t-shirt. You know you want the zippy. Disappearedpod.com. Click on the merch link. We love you. Now to the show. You guys... (laughs) Patrick has just been sitting here for 20 minutes talking to me about the simulation theory. Go tell them. None of this is real. Look, it's what I was saying. Like, somehow everything in my life worked out. This can't be real. None of this is real. I mean, honey, you had some shit happen to you. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I mean, you know. <laughs> way, to, way to burst a nerd's bubble. <laughs> You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us on our Patreon. We call it the Drama Club. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. These episodes of Who the Bleep Did I Marry are one-eighth about the episode and seven-eighths about our insane lives. Ellen spent the five minutes of the last episode speaking completely in full-on drag queen. (laughs) It was draglish. Give them a taste. How about that deck-building bench? (laughs) Wait, you guys, we spent five minutes talking about this woman on our Facebook page who built a deck all by herself. I don't even know if she knows. She's a major part of our last Patreon episode because you just kept screaming screaming about her being a deck building bat. So today I went to the Facebook group and I just searched deck uh-huh. and I sent you a text. I'm like, do you think this yes, was her? It was her. <laughs> anyway, you get all that. You get our monthly trivia. You get first crack at our merch, first crack at our live tour tickets. Guys, our December tour is almost sold out. So we, we're doing two shows in Chicago, two shows in Atlanta, two shows in Boston. The only place where there's still tickets is Boston. I'm looking at you, girl. I mean, yeah. Don't make us look like idiots in our hometown. <laughs> I know. But also how sweet that all our show sold out just to our drama club members. The I first know. time it sold out. Yeah. And then Patrick, I freaked out. And Patrick was like, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll, we'll see if we can have more shows. shows. But if you, you never know. We might not always be able to do that. So if you want first crack at the live show, text. Join us on the Patreon. What do you have to say for yourself this week, girl? I'm like one to three small inconveniences away from uh-huh. recreationally using meth. <laughs> you know. All right, you guys, Disappeared, Season 6, Episode 4, Dark Voyage, tells the story of the disappearance of Colleen Wood. Colleen Wood uproots her life to move to South Florida. She thought this was a perfect time to live her dream. There, she meets a man who offers her the chance of a lifetime. John Paul definitely wooed Colleen. She was rather giddy around him. He offers to sail her around the world on his yacht. She took John Paul up on his offer. That was the trip of her dreams. Then, months go by with no word from Colleen. John Paul is gone, Colleen's gone, and the boat, Island Girl, is also gone. When the boat and the boyfriend surface, Colleen has disappeared. 
Girl, the, the Serena and Bison of it all. Uh, literally, I have wrote the Serena and Bison daily of it all. Is I that mean, how like, you say his last name? Daily? Is it Dealey? You know what? Uh, you don't you remember anything, so don't challenge me. Okay? I remember everything. What was the name of their boat? The Hakuna Matata. Yeah. I was put on this earth to challenge you. But listen, right off the bat, I'm pissed. Why, Why? do you think I'm pissed? Uh, what I don't was know. the first line that Christopher said? Colleen Wood is almost floating with happiness about her upcoming sail around the world with her boyfriend of a year, John Paul. After a whirlwind romance, Colleen an attractive 52-year-old, has sold her condo in Boca Raton, quit her job as an office manager at a marina, and moved on to her boyfriend's luxury yacht in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Get a fucking thesaurus ID floating with happiness. <laughs> yeah. She's literally on a boat. Get like she's the <laughs> I get it. You're on a boat and you want to float. Whatever, whatever. She's with Too her better. boyfriend of a year, John Paul, and then Christopher tells us Colleen, an attractive 52-year-old, the ageism of it. Yeah. Well, because he sounded skeptical. <laughs> Right. And I, for one, was not here for it. I got to tell you, the reenactment actress in this episode. Oh, I've already heard this. So go. I can't wait how you're going to spin this for the listeners. I'm just saying the reenactment actress is a very good looking older woman. Uh-huh. And she has like big boobs. I'm just going to. I can say that to you. What did you I, don't, I can't did you say those no, words no, to Jillian. So I'm going to say them to you. We're She's got all, big boobies. We're all friends here. Yeah. Tell them what you really said. I'm not going to say what I actually said. You said the tits on the reenactment lady. You know I love of the word tits. I do too. Like, I'm not going to lie that it was like objectifying because I think she's beautiful and I think her breasts are beautiful. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Listen, I am all for plastic surgery. I say whatever makes you happy in this life, life is too hard and too sure. short and too crazy. But like, if you get your tits done, you want people to look and like them. They look incredible yeah. is all I'm saying. So this woman, Colleen, she's sold her condo in Boca. She moved on to her boyfriend's luxury yacht in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, and just in that statement alone, uh -huh. I see a lot of issues. Same. And we'll get to those in a second. But he said she moved on to her boyfriend's luxury yacht. And I went, is this it? Yeah. Because we're looking at a sailboat, Christopher. <laughs> yeah. I did not go all out to rent a luxury yacht for the reenactment. They're like, we spent all the money on her boat. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> We can't get the boat. We got the boobs. <laughs> they got a little pontoon. But, no, I mean, right off the bat, yeah. my problems start. The first letter starts with an F. Shat it. Shat it. I watched that yeah. roll downhill. Are you, you going to fall out of your chair? No. People are concerned, honey. I'm not kidding. I know. They're going to start a GoFundMe. I've had suggestions for seatbelts. I like my seats. If you my break, yeah. my paycheck goes out the window. I'm being selfish. I'm not being helpful. She took John Paul up on his offer when he said they would take his 60-foot sailing yacht and circumscribe the globe on a multi-year sailing trip. That was the trip of her dreams. Colleen is living out her fantasy in just the spot where she had always wanted to be. Fort Lauderdale is one of the capitals of the yachting world, and she is an avid sailor. She's done a complete 180 from the way she was living just two years earlier. 
So we meet Colleen's son, Michael, and what's happening here is that his mother, Colleen, took this guy, John Paul, up on his offer in a multi-year sailing adventure. Right. How does that sound to you? That sounds terrible. Why does that sound terrible? Because you're in the middle of the ocean. You know what I mean? What if you run out of booze? I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't go there. Well, <laughs> What if you run out of booze? Yeah. I was thinking food, but there you go. That, right. Our priorities are slightly different. Yeah, they're a little different. <laughs> But, no, son Michael tells us that, like, Oh, my God. She... I'm thinking about, like, rationing the vodka. Uh, like, you're down to your last bottle and you're, like, 100 miles from shore. How long does that take? I don't know. Oh I guess God. it depends on how fast the sailboat is. I'm looking is... at the bottle and I'm, like, looking around at who I have to murder on the boat. <laughs> I mean. She's not going to share. This story doesn't end well, so maybe we don't talk about boat murders <laughs> okay. in the first five minutes. <laughs> Call me crazy. But, no, son Michael tells us that she was living out her dreams in the spot she most wanted to be. And before they told us where it was. I had like a Rolodex of places. I was like, wait, St. Lucia? Uh Like Santorini? Uh Like Japan? (laughs) And then they were like Fort Lauderdale. I was like, okay. No, I know. Dream big, babe. We also learned that Fort Lauderdale is one of the capitals of the sailing world, girl. Is it? Colleen's always always wanting to live there. And son Michael also tells us that her life, Colleen's life, is completely different from where it was a couple years ago. She was super unhappy. Well, this is where we roll into the backstory. In 1998, Colleen's world seemed to be coming apart. Hard times in her hometown of Akron, Ohio, had cost her her job of more than 20 years at a local hospital. All the hospitals downsized, and her job was just eliminated, completely eliminated. Colleen was long divorced from the father of her two sons, Michael and Todd. She had raised them on her own. Well, she was unhappy and living in Akron, which I feel is the start to many sad stories. Yes. The people living in, in Ohio keep getting mad at us whenever we talk about it. Are they're they? Like, well, they're like, you want to talk about it, but you don't want to come do a show here. Oh, I got a message about Indianapolis about that, too. You guys, listen, something major is being announced shortly. Just <gasps> stay tuned. Oh, my God, you're right. We're coming to Ohio, but in a different way. In a way. totally, in different, a totally way. different way. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, 1998 was a bad year for Colleen, and, like, her job was just completely eliminated. Because they were downsizing. I was I like, know. people just like aren't getting sick and injured in Ohio. They're I like, just, I feel we like, don't need all these people. I, right. Like hospitals, police departments, and fireplaces. Yeah. Let's keep fire those places, open. Yeah. Fireplaces. Yeah. Fire, fireplaces. Where do you work? I work at the fireplace. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fireplace would be like a great name for like a cozy gay bar. Yeah. Don't you think? No. No. <laughs> It's where the quiet gays go. Oh, Do they make quiet gays? I'm sure, somewhere. <laughs> Wait, can you give us a um? Can you give us a quiet drag queen? Hey, everybody. Um, welcome back to <laughs> Stitching with Stanley. I'm going to be cross stitching uh-huh. on, on the air. Yeah. with you. What is Stanley's drag name? Ivanda. Be alone. <laughs> That's a great is name for a quiet drag queen. Quiet drag- Ivanda. Be alone. <laughs> But, like, B's her middle name stands for bitch. Yeah, and it's B-E-A, like <laughs> Queen Arthur. And it should be said, going back to Colleen, we're here for Colleen. She was divorced, and she was a single mama of two. But also in that same year, she had been in a relationship yeah. with some rich dude for seven years. That broke up as well. And so she had sons Michael and Todd, and Michael tells us she was, like, a fun mom. She was a cool mom. She wasn't yeah. a regular mom. She was she a cool was mom. Cool. You know? Um, is there alcohol in this? <gasps> oh, God, honey, No. What kind of mother do you think I am? <laughs> Why do you want a little bit? Because if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house. No, thank you. 
So she loses her connection to Akron because her sons are growing up. They've got families of their own. And she decides, you know what? Now is the perfect time to live her dream in the sailing capital of the world that is Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah. So we meet bestie down bitch Beverly, who explains that the timing was just perfect. And she tells us that Colleen had auditioned to be the office manager. Did you say auditioned? Yeah. Is that what you do when you get a job? Don't you audition? Yeah, you audition. How do you get an office manager job? That's exactly how you audition. Okay. You walk in. Yeah. You go, la, 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 la. Yeah. A little bit of Lexus. Yeah. yeah. That's how you get your job. Okay. So I don't understand why you're questioning me. So, but the thing is, that she says that, like, she fit in right away. Everyone loved her. They quickly start calling her the Marina mom. Yeah. I was like, was that okay with her? I'm sure. She loved it. She just, she thrived off everyone and everyone loved her. And I feel like she just, like, found the place that she was supposed to be. It was all very, very sweet. So we learn she buys a condo. And now we meet her boss, a woman named... Maureen Canada, which is a real name and not a stripper name, Ellen. Oh, okay. Okay. I I didn't know you were going to get all up in arms about our our best friend Maureen. I just love, A, I I love stripper names. Right. Maureen Canada sounds like a stripper name. Does it? Yes. Okay. Anything where, like, your last name is, like, the name of a country doesn't sound like a real name, you know? Please welcome Ellen Uzbekistan. Is that a funny country? I That's really good. But, but she's her friend and employer, and she was like, you know what? Colleen moved here. She wasn't looking for love. She was just looking to meet people in the area, and if love happened upon her, then, well, then, great. I get you, Colleen. Right. <laughs> Except when love happens upon me, I usually am like, lose my number. Yes. Lose my number. I don't need that. I don't need that kind of drama in my life. I'm here for one thing and one thing only. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Thank oh. you so much. <laughs> there was no one special in Colleen's life until she answered an ad placed by the owner of a sailing vessel in the fall of 1999. He had advertised that he was looking for a sailing companion, and that was what she wanted to do. So she responded to his ad. The schooner's captain was John Paul Sr. He soon swept Colleen off her feet. This is so weird. She responds to an ad in a local paper placed by some guy looking for a sailing companion. Yeah, why do you think that's weird? Is that a thing? before, like, the internet or, uh-huh. like, Craigslist. Can you imagine taking the time to, like, write up, like, a singles ad and then putting it, like, in the newspaper? Well, like, how are people supposed to meet? I mean, like, I'm sure 20 years ago they could be like, could you imagine having a GPS for dick on your phone at all times? <laughs> and then off the dragon, yes, bitch! Yes, bitch! Yes, bitch! This bitch is two blocks away and horny for me! <laughs> you guys, that's what they do. They have a GPS for dick. But, so, it's, I mean, it's 19 and Craigslist had just started in 1995. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, to put, like, a personal ad for looking for a sailing companion, you know what's fucking dangerous? Getting on a boat with a stranger. Don't do it. I mean, we're going to learn that is (laughs) not a good way to be. Yeah, (laughs) right. My mom told me about John Paul. He's handsome, debonair, suave, worldly, well-spoken, just everything that you expect from a world-traveled Harvard graduate. Soon, bouquets of roses started arriving. And there were sailing trips off Fort Lauderdale on John's yacht. He courted her heavily, and she was rather giddy around him. Quickly after they had met, the flowers started coming to the office. Yeah, she's, quote, wooed heavily. The courting process. A diamond bracelet. I mean, Would that do it for you? Would that be a thing you'd want? No. 
No. No. What would be like your thing? Like, I mean, I like jewelry. I don't need like diamonds or anything, but yeah. I'm more of like, really all I need is compliments. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I don't need it stuff. It is like oxygen to you. Yeah. That's I don't true. need stuff. <laughs> like, keep your stuff and yeah. like, give me compliments. Totally. Do they have to be sincere? No. You look gorgeous today. <laughs> <laughs> see how I just fell for it? Can you see why I have so many failed relationships? Yes. Yeah. Also, we learned that he has a slight European accent because he like he came to the United States from the Netherlands at the age of 15 or so we're told. All I know is that I would be so annoyed by that slight European accent. Yeah, like with just like a one little word and you're yeah. like, come again? No, actually come again. <laughs> anyway. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you need to take a phone call? No, that was my nap alarm. I set my nap alarm off by an hour. I was napping when you got here. Oh, oh I'm well aware you were napping when you got here. So it's 4.55. Yes. Okay. I, I Do you meant... have any other loud noises that you wish to make in the booth? Just yours. Just just the shit coming out of your face. Uh, <laughs> the shit coming out of my face. Okay. Anyway, are we good? Can we continue on with our job? Well, we could before, but now we can't. You want to fight about it? Yeah. <laughs> He told Colleen he had an MBA from Harvard and had been a successful fund manager on Wall Street in the 1960s. Colleen felt like a middle-aged Cinderella, being courted by a worldly 60-year-old Prince Charming. He treated her special. That was so important to her. I think she took him as face value. She was a trusting and honest person, and she fell for him hook, line, and sinker. He tells Colleen that he has an MBA from Harvard and that he had been successful on Wall Street in the 1960s. And I said, which was 40 yeah, that years ti- ago. I thought that timeline was yeah. super weird, too. I was like, when was this show? 84? No, so like this is like 99, 2000 is when this happened. And he was successful on Wall Street like in the fucking 60s? Yeah, I was also very confused. Now, Colleen was... Colleen is looking past a lot of stuff. Honey, listen. We... we- <laughs> You know what Colleen was doing? What? Her fucking best. Okay. Okay? <laughs> I'm not coming for Listen, Colleen. I get it. When they want to sweep you off your feet, yeah. they're going to do it. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> We've all made a couple excuses or two for the date. Okay. Okay? I'm looking at you, kid. Okay? Okay? <laughs> I have a a 20-year relationship Uh that you could unpack right now in front of all of our friends and family if you wanted to. Okay. 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 Yeah, we're going to continue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But then, because he is sweeping her off her feet, Christopher says Colleen felt like a middle-aged Cinderella. That was a little shady, Christopher. (laughs) That was a little shady. Yeah. I feel like like that wasn't written. Christopher added that. Oh, you know what I'm going to say? I got a thing I'm going to say. Keep it, though. Yeah. I'm going to record it. You keep it, okay? Colleen felt like a middle-aged Cinderella. And then the engineer goes, oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're keep going. We're keeping it. We're keeping it. So her son, Michael, is basically tells us that he was happy because she was happy, but he wasn't like too keen on the whole boat thing because they were going to set sail on this, you know, huge yeah. year long extravaganza or whatever. She was selling all of her stuff. Now, it in was, her house, it was her apartment. Yeah. It was her car. It was her clothes. One of her friends is like, she called me to see if I wanted to buy any of her fancy clothes. And I was like, Colleen, just give your shit to your friends. Yeah. Like, okay. Stop trying to make $20. Yeah, okay. Exactly. But her son was like, wait, you're selling selling your stuff but like just keep your life here because his point is like if this guy is so rich 
beach. Right. Keep your home base. Why are you going to sell your condo? Like, you just never know. And it's like, I feel like Colleen was just like, just so wanted this to be real yeah. and wanted it to work out. Totally. She, and like, we'll learn down the road that he was really influencing all of yes. the financial decisions yes. that she was making. But it's scary. The son was, you know, concerned. And basically, Colleen's, you know, defense, I don't, I don't mean defense, but what Colleen said was, yeah. she's like, well, it doesn't make sense. We're going to be gone too long. Yeah. We actually don't even know how long we're going to be gone and I'd just be paying the mortgage on it. And then what does Michael say? He's like, I mean, okay. Like, yeah. you know, you're a middle-aged Cinderella. What am I supposed to do with that, you know? Michael meets John Paul for the first time when his mother brings him on a visit to Akron. I like John Paul. When I met him, he was very personable. But he seemed a little too reserved, like he was, you know, holding back. He wonders as he hears his mother's enthusiastic plans for their round-the-world journey. He always had a drink in hand. I've known some drinkers before, and after a few drinks, you know, the, everybody gets a little tipsy. But he, he drank a lot, and the effects never showed on him. So it's August 2000, and son Michael meets John Paul for the first time, and he's like, I like the guy, and also, he likes to drink. I mean, not only that, but yeah. like, he had a drink, and he was drinking heavily, and it wasn't affecting him. It like doesn't show, I gotta tell you, I have this skill. I could be hammered, and you would not know. Babe. What? No, what? you don't. <laughs> you don't even realize what you do when you have People think you're loud now. Uh-huh. The decibel in which you are skillfully able to reach uh-huh. is truly astronomical and monumental, and you don't even know you're doing it. Am I obnoxious? No, you're just jolly. You're jolly. You want to say jolly, don't you? No, you also. You know how, like in your normal life, I always call you a bull in a china shop because yes. you break things. Yeah, you break a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah. I do break a lot of things, you guys. So the point was that John Paul was like drinking heavily, which Michael wasn't judging. He was just like, are you okay, dude? No, you are okay. You've had six martinis and it's not even registering. But then Colleen's friend Beverly is like, girl, you can't drink like this and then drive a boat into the middle of the ocean. Yeah. It's not smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then- Meanwhile, I'm rationing vodka in the back because <laughs> I can't see land and I can see the bottom of that vodka bottle. If I use more mixers and less- vo- No, that doesn't work. No. Wait, how does this work mathematically? Less food, I just won't eat anything and then I'll just drink all day. Yeah. I still think we only got eight hours left in this bottle. As their departure date nears, Colleen begins referring to herself and John by their childhood nicknames, Susie and Hans. Just said, oh, we're going by these names now. And in hindsight, I kind of am wondering, was this his suggestion? Was there a reason for it? What, what were the aliases for? I don't know. Strange. It's harder to track her down when she's someone else. So Colleen tells, you know, Marina boss Maureen that they have these. Maureen Canada? Maureen Canada. Can you say her whole God given name, please? (laughs) Colleen tells Maureen Canada that (laughs) they have these. these... Maureen Canada has a lot of gay friends. She probably does. Yes, yes, bitch. She lives in Fort Lauderdale. Totally. (laughs) It's gorgeous, this Jenny. Yeah. I fucking love Fort Lauderdale. Sharon, what are you doing here? Listen, you guys can't have a fucking episode without me. And all I'm saying is my uh, best friend, uh-huh. Deborah, uh-huh. has a house in Fort Lauderdale. Your best friend. My best friend. But there's only one room in that house, one he, bedroom. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's a 
uh, uh, high property taxes. Right. So there's one room. Uh-huh. Yeah, but she's my best friend. Great. Yeah. You guys ever what? Like taking the relationship to the next level and committing? Committing what? Crimes? Like robbing <laughs> a fucking bank? What do you mean? <laughs> the dead I am not a lesbian shark eyes I get from Sharon Bagabones. Holy moly. <laughs> so Colleen says, this is so creepy. Colleen's like, oh my God, we also call each other these cute little names. Colleen. We call nicknames. I know. I call him Hans, and he calls me Susie. Also, that was his idea, and I don't really like it, but I, I have to do it now. And Maureen's like, wait, are those nicknames or aliases? aliases? Because Maureen Canada, God-given name, is like, look, if she goes missing on this multi-year around-the-fucking-world boat cruise, it's going to be much harder to track down somebody who's living by a fake first name yeah, only. Because a nickname to me is like... Baby. Yeah. Or Don't like, ever call me that. Hey, though. what's your name? That, or, yes. you know, lay on top of me or something like hey, that. Hey, huge cock. Okay. That, like, that's a great nickname. Nah, that's not the way it went. <laughs> but so Maureen is bummed mostly because Colleen quit and she was a really good worker. And they were like good <laughs> no, friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? But also, this is where Maureen Canada tells us. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to get you every time? It's the new pitching tents. You yeah. got, oh, that was the worst joke you've ever told on this podcast. Wait, I had some people slip into my DMs and be like, don't be mad at me, but I laughed at that. <laughs> Colleen seems happy in her relationship, but under the surface, there are hidden currents of trouble. One of the most obvious is John's volatile temper, particularly when he has been drinking heavily. Colleen even had a swear jar, which she made John add money to whenever his tongue got out of control. He would be verbally abusive, and whenever he would yell and scream and cuss, he would have to put $5 into the jar. So the drinking is an issue. And then, okay, we have this whole thing where we learn that there's a swear jar because he would get so drunk. Wait, actually, hold on. Before you go there, son Michael was like, I mean, he was an alcoholic, but it was like an ongoing joke. Do you remember when he (laughs) said that? I was like, hold on. I'm so sorry. Because alcoholism's hilarious. Alcoholism is hilarious to them. So they call it a swearing jar. Oh, my God. But it's really for when he gets loud and emotionally abuses her. So I call it the emotional abuse jar. Yeah. Every time. He berates her when he's been drinking. He's got to put $5 in the jar. And Michael is like, there was about a million dollars in there. Yeah, Michael was (laughs) like, so so she had a jar full of cash. And I was like, wait, what? You had a jar representing your emotional abuse and this hatred that this man is flinging towards you? And you think it's hilarious? You're going to go buy a pair of like Jimmy Choo's with it or something? I know. And so it's Saturday, December 3rd, 2000. Michael calls her to wish her a happy birthday. And she's very excited. She's gotten all these gifts for his kids and she can't wait to see them and she tells him that she's sailing to Key West with John and that like she'll be in touch when she gets back. And she was like and maybe we'll swing down towards Cuba. We probably (laughs) won't be home for Christmas. And she was like we're going to be probably traveling into January and you know one more thing. I'm going to turn off my cell phone. I think that's best. Yeah yeah yeah. I'm going to be stranded in the middle of the ocean. How do you get your vodka delivery in the middle of the ocean without your cell phone sis? But basically everyone was like okay and she's like, call you when I get back. <laughs> I know. I know. But, you know, the, the, we've talked about this on this show. Like, in, uh, You okay? <laughs> we've talked about this on this show before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that work out for you? Yeah. But, like, the 2000s were a different time. Like, yeah. people weren't as connected. Texting wasn't a thing. Yeah. So, like, I guess it wasn't that wild that somebody would be out of communication for a while. I don't know. 
I mean, I worked on a cruise ship and we sent emails all the time. I mean, yeah. it was like harder. Like you would and like, send those like one a day. Like now you text, like things that are text messages now were emails in 2000. Yeah. And you check your email one. Like you didn't have email on your phone. Yeah. You know Especially what I mean? Especially if you're on the ass end of one of Patrick's rants. Yeah. Because it goes in separate bubbles. Yeah. He'll be like, why are you the way you are? Boop. Pick up your phone. Boop. We're into the friendship. Boop. Like each one, it's like 27 text bubbles. So I'll pick up my phone and it'll be like, you have 113 because messages. Because the thing is when you're texting with Ellen and you're in the middle of a rant and you're about to say something really good, but then you see the bubbles coming from yeah. her side. You're, you're like, like, oh fuck, shit. Fuck, yeah. fuck. It's like a race of the thumbs. <laughs> and my thumbs are the chubbiest. Yeah. There's a lot of backspacing that happens with me. I'm not poor, good at it. I know. Poor thing. Come to our live shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after... Colleen's former boss, Maureen, calls to invite her to the marina's annual Christmas party on December 19th. I knew that she had taken the sailboat with John Paul down to Key West to uh, try things out. And she said, we are planning on coming back in the next couple of days. And she sounded wonderful, but she never showed up at the party. So, Friday, December 15th, 2000, Maureen calls Colleen to invite her to her holiday party. Oh, I'm sorry. You just raked me over the coals. Sorry, 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 sorry. Maureen Canada calls Colleen. This is an important date. Remember this. Because Colleen and Maureen Canada do talk. And Colleen's like, bitch, I will come to your your holiday party for sure. We're in Key West right now. We're having a great time, but we'll be back for that. And she never showed up. She never shows up. Yeah. So, Christmas passes, and Michael not only doesn't hear from his mom, but he also doesn't get those. Remember those presents she was super excited to send? And so Michael said that's really out of character. Like, you know, she's a grandma. Like, she loved giving gifts. That's weird. But they're puzzled, but not concerned. So this is where I pitch this question to you. Great. Like, you're pitching a 10. Is the rest of the world normal and we're just crazy? Because that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, I will agree with you that we are for sure crazy. Like, because I've covered enough of these. Yeah. Like, even just, like, the Bethany one we just covered. And everyone's like, yeah, that's normal. I got to tell you, though, the thing is, like. It must be us. well, we are at a, this is true. This is not a joke. We are at a true advantage because like I, between this and TCO, I've covered so many crime cases. Right. I actually know what to do in certain situations. I came home the other day and our door, the door to my apartment was open with the keys in it and I didn't touch it. Mm-hmm. I leaned in. Hello. Yeah. Hello. And case Steve was dead in there and somebody had like jammed the keys in the door, opened it, like killed him and threw his body inside. Right. I really had that. Is thought. that what happened? No. Okay. <laughs> what happened, honey? He just left his Oh, got it. Okay. (laughs) But I'm saying, the one time it does happen, I'm going to be hysterical, but I'm like, you tell Ellen I fucking told her this would happen. I I didn't touch it. We're going to find him. The thing this podcast has also given me is, like, if someone's like, hey, do you want to meet at this place? I'm like, oh, is that the place where you're going to bury me alive? Okay. Yeah. No, I'm not going to the botanical gardens with you, psycho. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, maybe he wasn't going to murder. Maybe and not. Me in the Maybe not. Botanical, but I don't know. Air on the side of murder. Uh, yeah. Always air on the side of murder. <laughs> Newman! <laughs> air on the side of murder. When his mother doesn't call or send the presents for his daughter's birthday in mid-December, Michael and his brother Todd are puzzled, but not concerned. But by mid-January, the brothers are starting to get a little panicky. We had missed so many holidays in a row. Birthdays, Christmas, New Year's, still nothing. Fearing something might have happened at sea, they notify the Coast Guard to look out for the boat, which Colleen has named Island Girl. 
It's mid-January, and so many holidays have passed, and I Michael know. lists them all for I us. <laughs> He's like, I mean, she missed Christmas Eve, and then Christmas, <laughs> and then New Year's Eve, and then New Year's, and then Arbor Day, I'd, and then and like Michael's really worried, and he's such a sweet kid, and he like he's calling around, like asking anybody if they've seen her, and then he learns this is terrifying. This is yeah. He learns that her phone was turned off not voluntarily, but due to lack of payment. Yeah, that's so, fucking crazy. So something, and then he says, and I didn't have John Paul's number, and I was like, what? I this is the look, like not to blame not the victim. It was the a, it was a different but, time. No, and I'm not blaming them either. But these are the lessons we need yes, to learn. Yes. This is a teaching and moment. This like, is not a joke. Like yes. when your mom's getting on a boat to the middle of the ocean with a guy you don't really know, get his number. Absolutely. Like you know? this is not a joke. Yeah. When I go on dates with people, I ask them for their driver's license. Oh, do you? Absolutely. And, and what do you do with them? I send them to Joey. Joey, your best drag queen gay? Yeah. Why don't you send them to me? Because you're asleep at 6 30 <laughs> in the night. But what's Joey gonna do? Take off his fucking nails and heels and come cut a bitch? Jo- Joey's 6'2. He's, He's broad so as hot. shit. Does he listen? Sometimes. Joey, you're super hot. Joey is up. He checks in with me all the time. And I say, I was like, if you want to hang out and you're I not a fucking I love that you pre- send your fucking Dateline photos to your best drag queen. Yeah. That's I, my favorite part. I literally do. Why I'll- don't you send it right to Billy Porter? You have his number. No, but he's like strong and he's, <laughs> listen, he's a fucking wake. He stays up all night playing video games. So I know Joey's going to be up at night. Oh my God. But like if you have a, I do. I was like, send me your driver's license. I'm sending it to my best friend. Ellen is not ever getting Datelined. That's not happening. But if it ever, if she ever did, we are covering it on TCO and it's going to be four episodes. Wait, you, sometimes I think about that. Sometimes I'm like, what if something happens and then you're just in the booth by yourself and you're like, I think I have to do this by myself now. No, we would get the documentary made so we could cover it on TCO. A very special episode. <laughs> A very special episode. <laughs> So this is the moment. Oh my God. So Michael says he got on Google. My favorite part was when we see the actual browser they use. It's Firefox. Oh, well, <laughs> Firefox is a search engine. That's what I mean. So is Google, sweetheart. Firefox is like a, like Safari. Mm-hmm. It's like Safari, Firefox. You don't like go like, let me go Firefox that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, everyone who's listening knows what I'm talking okay. about. You're the, you're the outcast. <laughs> The search confirms that John Paul had been a champion race car driver, just as he had claimed. But there is also a much darker profile of this man on view. Words just jumped out at me. 15 years, federal pen, attempted murder, drug smuggling. It's a floodgate of emotions. It goes from, you know, disbelief to panic, fear, anger. And then, you know, why didn't I see this sooner? So anyway, he gets on the Goog and he like within seconds pulls up John Paul's like criminal fucking history. This goes zero to unhinged. Well, and I got to say again, not blaming the family because who knows what anybody would do. And like the world just wasn't like that yes, back then. Yes. If anybody had ever Googled a person that their mother was going on a date with, this guy would have done it. Totally. And it just wasn't done. Yeah. You guys, the information on this guy, John Paul, is bananas. Yeah. So- and also like the audacity of this bitch, the audacity of John Paul knowing that this information is just a fucking Google search away and still did all the shit that he did with Colleen. Yeah, but like it just wasn't what we did back yeah, then. Yeah, I guess. Think about like 1999, 2000. You weren't like, apps weren't a thing. It just wasn't a thing. I spent all of those years having sex with that straight guy thinking yeah. that he was going to eventually marry me. Yeah. And he never did. I know. Is this have to do with what we're talking about? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> that that literally just popped into your mind and you yeah. said it out loud. Yes. When I think of the late 90s, I think of three things. Sarah McLaughlin, Paula Cole, and sex with this guy. Yeah. But I'm being serious. Oh, I oh, oh, me too. <laughs> Honey, your your radar yeah. is not is not on par with mine. Okay. So here's the thing: we learned that this guy John Paul had just gotten out of prison, fresh out <laughs> of prison, like literally months before he started dating Colleen. He'd been serving a quote lengthy sentence for, and I quote, drug smuggling, money laundering, and attempted murder. I got a couple things to say about okay. that. First of all. <laughs> Attempted murder yeah. should be a murder charge. I, like, If you try to do it, it should be as good as doing it. Just I totally agree. Yes, just because your plan didn't go according <laughs> to your plan, Absolutely. that means you get less time in jail. That's right. a technicality. Yeah, I, okay? You know what? You make a really good point. It should, it's murder. Yeah. You're you trying to do it, totally. and for whatever reason, you fucked you it up. You should call it like, murder that didn't happen. Yeah, yes. but it's still murder. But murder still murder that didn't go your way. Yes. But you're still going to have a murder. I absolutely also, agree. You like, guys, we just made a great point. Should we end the episode? Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Michael's fears for his mother escalate. He is convinced she knows nothing about the criminal side of John Paul's past. We should have investigated him sooner. He was so well-spoken. No one would have ever thought that he had a past like that. I'm certain my mother didn't. A few minutes later, I was on the phone with the police department trying to find her, trying to get some answers. So Michael has a total panic attack. He's like, why the fuck didn't I know about this sooner? He also is convinced that there is no way his mother knows. And his mom is like on a boat, like the vodka is disappearing daily. Right. And she does not know that she's on a boat with a murderer. He also, again, he keeps saying this one thing over and over again. And they the do vodka's it. gonna run out. <laughs> no, that's what you're saying. Oh, my sorry, mom. I thought you were talking about me. He no, Michael keeps saying, Well, he was so well spoken. He was so well spoken. Yeah, He's bullshit so European educated. fake European accent. And I was like, you know who else was super smart? Andrew Cunanan. Right. He had an IQ yeah. of 147. Did he really? Yes. Jeffrey Dahmer had an IQ of 145. Don't get me started on the Zodiac Killer. Oh. These bitches are smart as fuck. What does that mean? I, this is not a joke. This is real. This is a cautionary tale. If I met Jeffrey Dahmer at a bar oh, and God. he bought me a drink and wanted me to go home with him, I would have. There's no fucking question about it. I know. It's, I'd be it's ahead crazy. It just they keeps well he was so well sp- I was like that doesn't mean shit I know I know the Green Coast Springs Police Department did agree to do a check on her well-being check at her old condo and her old work and there was no trace of her the police learn that she has not visited or contacted her mail service either by now it is almost four months since any of her friends or family has spoken with Colleen now, by this time, it has been four months since anyone has heard from Colleen. And so in mid-April, Michael is like, I feel like he's not sleeping. Yeah. He tracks down John Paul, the bad guy here, who's got a daughter who lives in Indiana. And he finds her, calls her, and she's like, look, I have no way to contact him. He's on a fucking boat in the middle of the ocean. But he calls me like every three weeks or so, to which I said, so we're going to go take her hostage, yeah, right? I mean, we're going to go get ourselves a fucking hostage. We're going to go to Indiana. Where's Indiana? <laughs> No. <laughs> no fucking clue, but no we're going idea. there. We're going there, and we're sitting by her fucking phone till the guy fucking calls. And then also Tanya was like, all right, talk later. Talk to- oh, wait, yeah, shit. One also, more thing. one more thing. Come to think of it, my dad did mention that he and Colleen had gotten in a fight regarding one of his old girlfriends, yeah. and that was before Christmas, and then she left. Okay, bye. Bye. 
And then Michael's like, okay, well, if you hear from him, could you have him call me? Yeah, like, like what do Michael's you say? Like, oh, my fucking God. So the next day, Michael files a missing persons report with the Fort Lauderdale police. But here's the gag. When you called them, what'd they say? I did call them. Did you really well, call I, Well, I called them for a reason that I'll tell later. Okay, right, right. But the Fort Lauderdale police were like, but she didn't live here. And there's no and, crime committed here. And the crime didn't We get, don't even, like, well, all we know is that she willingly went on a boat with this guy. Exactly. Sometimes so, I think these episodes are too instructive. Yeah. I really think that, like, if you want to kill somebody, like, trick them into going on a boat trip with you and tell them to tell their family that they're not going to hear from you for a couple weeks. Oh, wait till I get to the extraditing policy that I oh, looked up. Fiji. Oh, Oh, wait, we're going to get there. Okay. I have so much <laughs> okay. I have so much research. You guys, my ADHD medicine is really does wonders for me when I'm researching these things. But three days later, Michael gets a call from homicide detective Mark Shotwell. Found an arrest and a conviction for an attempted murder, firearms charges from the early 80s. He did have federal charges as well. According to a federal indictment, John had financed his and his son's racing careers with profits from drug smuggling. He was charged with bringing in millions of dollars worth of marijuana from Colombia for distribution in Louisiana. This is where we start to get background on John Paul because the detective looks into him and it's like, okay, it turns out that he had been like a fucking race car driver and his son had been a race car driver. His son is actually a really famous race car driver. Is that right? Yeah. In what way? Honey, how would you know who a, who a famous race car driver <laughs> was? If I were I to give you a million dollars yeah. right now and I said, name one NASCAR driver, name one. Danica Patrick. You know the one lady NASCAR <laughs> driver. But anyway, he was, he was huge. So he financed... I guess driving race cars is like super expensive because he financed both of their race car careers with drug smuggling money. Right. Like we learned that he'd been smuggling marijuana from Colombia and he got busted for distribution in Louisiana. Wait, do you love that movie Blow? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Which Blow are you talking about? Patrick. Okay, that is actually my fault. I walked into that one. I wa- the one with Johnny Depp with the marijuana drug smuggling. Because I've seen a movie called Blow where there are divine performances. Okay, really great. Okay. Top to bottom. Okay. We've gotten very smutty ever since we've entered Silly Goose Fall. Oh, my God. But so, like, we get this whole fucking backstory about, oh, like. Oh, my God. They, they, like, get busted for the drug smuggling and they get probation. But then in 83, somebody turns state's witness against John Paul Sr., Colleen's boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm like, who fucking cares? But then we get to Tuesday, April 19th, 1983. I'm like, we're going to get the backstory, but then the backstory is super interesting. Well, remember that casual attempted murder charge (laughs) that he had? This This is it. it. This is it. John Paul ambushed the witness at a boat landing in Florida and shot him. The victim survived. And two months later, John Paul turned himself in. Then, shortly before his trial, while out on a half-million-dollar bond, he fled the country. He was arrested in Switzerland in 1985 and extradited to the U.S. The following year, John Paul pled guilty to the attempted murder charge and was sentenced to 20 years. So the guy who turned state's evidence or whatever against John Paul, John Paul fucking shoots the yeah. guy. The guy lives. It should still be murder. Yeah, he it should still be murder. murder. He's like, joke's on you. I'm alive. Yeah, exactly. But then he fucking flees the country. Yeah, and he goes, he's arrested in Switzerland. Extradited to the U.S. And he pled guilty and he's sentenced to 20 years. Now, in 19... 19- that was 40 minutes of the episode. I, truly, yeah. <laughs> we, we just, we really like to, to I know. put Can that in the low Can we talk about my favorite movie, Blow, again for a little while? Okay. It actually is... Have you really different blow, girl? Different blow. (laughs) The one where Johnny Depp is playing George Young. See, I know the one with Johnny Deep. Okay. (laughs) Oh, who's been to the comedy cellar workshop? 
stopping the cutest little dick jokes. My little blowjob jokes are so chubby. How cute are your little <laughs> jokes that you work out all by yourself? Look at you. Johnny Deep, that's a funny one. That was really good. That was very that was good. So then he's released. He's released in 1999. And that's what kind of like brings us to the present because he met Colleen just a couple months after he was released from federal prison. Right. So Tuesday, April 24th, 2001, 7 a.m. Michael, the son, Colleen's son, Michael, is sound asleep when he gets a call from John Paul. Is this where you want to talk about the reenactment actors giving themselves lines? We were just making a point that like as the season goes on, we feel like the reenactment actors like unionized. And they were like, we want more lines. We don't want to be shadows in the background. We are actors and we have a voice. Because all of a sudden the reenactment actors have like little vignettes. It's right. Except I just wanted to know if he was being woken up at 7 a.m., what the fuck is he doing with his life? It's like 7 a.m. is mid. I'm having my buffalo wings at 7 (laughs) a.m. Starving for lunch. I said, we haven't heard from my mother in a long time. Have you seen her? I don't know we're calling this. When was the last time you saw her? We had a big fight. She stormed off the boat. He said she later came back with her football player boyfriend and took all of her belongings. And that was the last time he ever saw her. I said, well, where are you? I mean, you're upsetting. I told him that we were worried about her. He didn't seem to care. It's John Paul on the phone. And so, like, Michael, like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, fuck, I have 8,000 questions, but yeah. I'm sound asleep. I can't even think of what to ask you. Like, where's my mother? Yeah, and he was just like, where was the last time you saw her? Where is she? Michael's like, girl, where are you? And, and he's, he's like, like I'm I mean- sailing Europe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then, and then, he, then I guess Michael was like, so I guess my main question for you is, why are you calling? Exactly. But then the very next day, the detectives who are literally hard at work on this case track down John Paul's boat to a dry dock facility 50 miles north of Key West. And so he goes there and the people who work there are like, no, he's not here now. He's here like every day, but he, he'll be back. And they're like, so he's not sailing fucking Europe? Yeah, they're like, yeah, I just imagine them calling him and being like, hey, uh, John Paul, so uh, you in Europe? Because right. your boat's here, bruh. <laughs> so now it's a few days later, Monday, April 30th, and the detectives learn that John Paul is back at the dry dock 50 miles north of Fort Lauderdale. They fucking surprise him. Yeah. So Mark Shotwell goes goes to the dry dock, totally catches him off guard, and he was like, oh, uh, hey, guys, I just got back from Europe. But I was like, that's also checkable. Yeah. You can, like, go to customs or whatever, and you can find out totally. if that's... No one does that. Yeah. John said that he had lent Colleen money prior to the sale of her condo to pay off some credit card debt and that she wasn't paying him back. They had argued about it. She'd left for several days, and when she returned, it was to get her belongings. She came with two men. The purpose of the interview at that point is to learn what John Paul was going to tell us, to see if he could produce any leads for us, and absent that, to at least lock him into a story. And he gives the same story. They had a big fight. It was over money this time. This time it changed just a little bit. But we also wanted to lock him into a story. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's the official story he he told the cops. And they don't believe him, but they don't have enough to arrest him. But they also learn in this, like, same interview that he's been in violation of his parole. Remember that attempted murder that's actually should be considered murder? Right. By failing to show up for meetings with his parole officers. And, like, it turns out John Paul had actually written to his own parole officer being like, girl, I'm actually going to leave the country. Yeah, I'm going to bounce. And so the, uh, the, good luck with that whole parole little skit you wanted me to go through. The detective was like, he basically deported himself. Yeah. And, he, and, 
And they, and then they tell us this is fucking wild. This is insane. It didn't like make it into the system because of some backlog in the federal system. Nobody wrote down that this fucking guy on parole who's like jumping bond and like leaving the country never told anybody. Yeah, and they were like, okay, so let's go back in the system and backdate a warrant because well, if it had been in the system, they would have been able to search his boat that day. Right. And instead, it takes them a week. Ah. Uh, to get the warrant. And by the time they go back with the warrant, he's gone. He's, he's taken like, off. Yeah, he's like, hello, goodbye. <laughs> I'm going to th- I don't know why he sounds like Forat. He's like, I'm going to take my boat now. Thank you. That was the worst I accent. love it. Why have you been sitting on that this whole time? We're wild and crazy, guys. <laughs> with John gone, detectives try to determine when Colleen was last seen or heard from. The cell phone records, both Colleen's and and John Paul's, uh, pinpoint December 15th to December 16th as the last incoming outgoing calls Colleen made to anyone. After December 15th, she never answered her phone again or never spoke to anyone that we could locate. So now they're back to trying to pinpoint when Colleen was last seen or spoken to. And remember that call on the 15th of December where Melissa Canada, what's her name? Maureen Canada. Where Maureen Canada called her and invited her to the Christmas party. That's the last conversation yeah. anyone knows she had with anybody. Yeah. And Maureen. And we are months and months and months down the road. Yeah. And Maureen said also what was weird but not really weird is she started getting calls at the office from the credit card company. Yeah. And the credit card company was like, there's unusual activity. And Maureen Canada was like, wait, no, it's not weird. My friend's traveling, so that's probably why it's pinging all this fraudulent activity. No need to worry. Wait until you hear this fucking shit, you guys. Yeah. So the detectives look into this, and they're like, okay, we got her bank records. She had these accounts for years. She had the same standard activity patterns for years and years and years. Then, like, on starting December 18th, three days after anybody last spoke to her, her fucking accounts go haywire. Yeah. Basically, she's going all over town using her credit cards to get, like, cash withdrawal. This is another thing I don't understand. Son Michael is finds this all very hopeful. Yeah. So he flies to Fort Lauderdale to look at the videos of the Does email not exist in 2001? Yeah, I mean, did we have scanning? Like yeah, scanning, there was no texting. I'm just saying he's got to fly to Florida to go look at these videos and like right away he knows that the women in the videos are not his mother. Right. And the best they can see is that like it's two different women using these credit cards and debit cards for cash advances all over town. Yeah, and they're actually like pseudo weirdly innocent because basically John Paul was like, here's the card. Here's the pin. Go take this money out of the ATM. I'll give you 10 or 20 percent. I'm sorry, but like these women don't get in any trouble for this. I like mean, that's like that is credit card fraud. You know what I mean? But if they don't know what's going on, it's he a credit card that doesn't have their name on it. But it could. But he could be like, that's my wife. And uh-huh. he cash. And she's in the hospital and I need to pick up her medication. But I I'm mean, going to pay you 10 to 20 percent of the fucking cash you steal from this ATM. I'm sorry. These women are like, they're not murderers, but they're like not, they're not babysitting Daisy either. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sure they're not coming and looking for work, but I'm sure they're just like, yeah, I'll make an easy like 200 bucks today. And the best part of this whole thing was that they were easy to find. Like yes. they were able to track them down and they're like, oh yeah, they were completely forthcoming. Yeah. They're like, yeah, I mean, it seemed like a great deal. All totally. I had to go do was like take this money out of this ATM and I made like a couple hundred dollars. But look, all together, they took $40,000 40, out of Colin's cap. Which, by the way, Michael tells us, it almost exactly the amount of money she made on her condo sale. Right. The condo sale, which was all John Paul's idea. Michael knows that his mother's careful planning likely made this ATM scam possible. She made a copy of all of her credit cards, 
and had a sheet with all the pin numbers. And she typed them up on her computer and made copies, sent them to me. The originals remained on the boat in the computer. So John Paul had the information and the actual credit cards. They found that the way they were able to get her PIN number... Right. For all, she, like, was one of those people like you who, like, made a document of, like, all of her credit card numbers and PIN numbers, and it was all in one place. Right. And that's how John Paul was able to, like, access her account. And then they found out that John Paul, you know that, like, Lonely Hearts ad? Oh, he had my put God. Out? He had put an ad in the paper, same thing, calling for, like, a, like a romantic sailing partner, right? Yeah. And then he used the name George. Yes. And the credit card he used to pay for the ad was Colleen's credit card. And he did that on the 15th of December when Colleen was still alive. Yeah. So, like, that's premeditation right fucking there. Yeah. So, like, you know, as we get to the end, they're like, he's literally the only person of interest. They flag his passport. You know, they, they're interviewing neighbors at the boat slip where they lived, and they're like, she was really nice. He was yelling and screaming all the time. And he, yeah, everyone had the same story. Yeah. Like, he, he wasn't fun when he got too drunk. <laughs> no. He was yelling and screaming. Tell them I'm a fun drunk. You are. I didn't say you were in fun. Tell him. You're, you're, oh my, he's so funny. He's so fun. He's the most fun drunk. Basically, they're like, cool. Do I have to put $5 in the emotional abuse jar now? Oh my God. <laughs> yes, I want a jar. So while they're looking back in John Paul's like past and all this stuff that happened, because also they're trying to figure out how did he come out of federal prison and had like a yacht and a Mercedes but, and mean, a Porsche. You're the one who said like his son was like a famous race car driver. Like his son was financing the whole thing. Exactly. And he had come back out of prison and he was staying with his son who was still a race car driver. And we also learned that he served two years for racketeering. I had to Google what racketeering was. <laughs> Do you know what racketeering is? No. It is an act of acquiring business through illegal activity operating a business with illegally derived income interesting and it says the maximum penalty like penalty i'm hungry i know the maximum penalty for racketeering is up to 20 years in federal prison i thought two was pretty light yeah, so, you know, in the end, like, two years go by, and there's no sign of John. Like, he's in his boat in international waters. Also, we keep, now, we keep seeing pictures I know. of, like, John. I know. He because looks like he smells like a damp towel. I'm sorry, but, like, when you fucking murder somebody, even if you're evil, like, that shit sits with you, it, right? He's just gross looking. There's a warrant out for his arrest in the United States so he can never come back here. There's, like, a sighting of him in Montego Bay, but he's gone before the cops get and there. And everyone's kind of, like, going on hunches, right? I know, yeah, Everyone's yeah. got a story. Yeah. He might have done this. He might have done that. Everyone's just kind of throwing it out there and nobody actually knows. But then, though, the, the federal marshals find him in Fiji. There's fucking video of him yeah. in Fiji. But I guess Fiji has a non-extradition policy with the United States. He's 10 feet from them and they can't do anything they about it. They can't do anything. So I thought that was crazy and I thought, I was like, no way that that's still true. Yeah. Do you know how many countries do not have like an extraditing treaty with the United States? How many? I mean, Afghanistan to China, Madagascar, Senegal. I mean, obviously it's not the same for all the countries, but I've heard that it has to do with the death penalty. I mean, it yeah. is crazy. So I was like, that seems loophole -y. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess if you want to commit a crime, there's a bunch of places you can go. But get this. He's traveling through Europe and Asia. He won't come back to the U.S. because they can arrest him. But there are some breaks in the case. Yeah. This down bitch is incredible. 2004, a visitor on the yacht is suspicious about the John and Colleen thing. She she smuggles a computer off the yacht. You guys, it's fucking Colleen's it computer. It was Colleen's laptop. 
TikTok. I mean, it was like three or four years after she was last seen. Oh my fucking God. And then in 2011, he sold the boat. He's now in his 70s, hasn't been back in the US in 12 years at the time of this episode, not even to see his son who's suffering from Huntington's disease. Well, sadly, John Paul Jr. died at 60 after a long battle with Huntington's disease. Wow. So he is no longer with us. So let me tell you one craziest story because yeah. I went on a dive. In 1987, John Paul and another inmate unsuccessfully attempted to escape prison by spraying a mixture of hot sauce <gasps> and pine salt in the guard's face. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. It's like pepper spray, basically. Yeah, basically, like they made Why their own. Why do they have hot sauce in prison? Oh my God. I mean, and pine salt? Is that <laughs> readily available? And the guard, like, recovered. He was like, hold on, this fucking hurts. But I got you. Oh, and I, I was like, did he not get any more time? That's crazy. Tried, yeah, which is crazy. And also, not included in the episode, John Paul Sr. had another wife, and her name was, I might be mispronouncing this, Chalice Paul. And in 1981, she vanished without a trace. <gasps> what? How this was not included in the episode, I will never know. You can find out more by going to Chalice Paul, and it's spelled C H A. L-I-C-E Paul.com There is a whole history of it. Oh my like, God. He literally had his wife go missing. So I wanted to give you guys a number to call if, oh, like, yeah. if anything should happen. However, I ran into a lot of bumps in the road. So it turns out I found the information that Detective Mark Shotwell is still on the case. He's not. He's retired. Oh wow. And then on another site it says that the detective handling the case will not release the information information of the new cold case detective and I called them you guys I got bounced back <gasps> to you can look at my phone how many people did I freaking call in Fort Lauderdale today <laughs> anyway the number to call best of luck if you know anything where John Paul Sr. is or his current location contact 954-828-9400 and good luck because I couldn't get anyone on the phone say something funny oh my god you deck building bitch <laughs> <laughs> You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us in the Drama Club. You get three full ad-free bonus episodes every fucking week. Also, you get our monthly trivia. You get our undying love. You get first access to our live shows, which sometimes you need if you're going to get to see us because they sell really fast. I'm so excited to go back on tour. You guys, Boston, Massachusetts, you are the only city left with tickets. Don't make us play to a half-empty house for our first show. It's December 12th at 3 p.m. Disappearedpod.com. Click on the CS Live link. What else you got for the people? Listen, just because it's afternoon, we'll fill water bottles full of mimosas and spray them into your mouth. Absolutely. Just come on. And uh, follow us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. I'm Ellen Marsh. Patrick is Patrick. I mean, he doesn't do anything. I'm at Patrick Hines. Look, I have about 30,000 more Instagram followers than you. Which is weird. weird. Look, obviously, it's interesting enough. Yeah, I guess so. And you can join us on our Facebook, the Disappeared Pod Discussion Group, and we just have a blast there, and it's just full of really amazing people. It's just a really supportive community. I got all choked up looking at a couple uh, posts this morning, so. I love you. I love you. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, What's John, his name? John Paul Jr. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you, like, almost gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> no, fuck. Also, I used to think money laundering was when you washed money and that was illegal. (laughs) Swear to God. Well, first of all, it's called Starbird. (laughs) 
That's what I said. You said starboard. It's starboard. starboard. Like starboard. How am I saying? Wait, what, what am I saying? What are you saying? You're saying starboard. 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 <laughs> like God on Google, you, you didn't. Yeah. Because Google didn't exist. But he got on the internet. It was 2000, right? 1998, sweetheart. Oh, strike it from the record. Yeah. Put that in the outtakes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> 